Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to everyone listening here out there in podcast land. Our pod today is brought to you by BetMGM. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. I'm your host, Mike Calabrese, joined as always by the Action Network's Mike Ionello. A reminder to our audience, the Three Man Weave are back next week with their weekly college basketball podcast every Wednesday morning right here on the Big Bets on Campus podcast. We're mainly winners last week, particularly our best bets, hitting both of those. How are you feeling as we get into the stretch run? Maxions here, lots of midweek college football, you know, from the Sun Belt to the MAC, everywhere in between. There's lots of action from Tuesday through Saturday. Where's your head at at this point, Ionella? It's been incredible. Midweek Maction has been phenomenal. I, I broke gambling rule 101. I never do it. I'm very good about being disciplined, but I had a few beers, quite a few. I was at that point where, you know, you look at your thing, you're like, oh, I'm I'm exactly 10 and 10 on the week. So I'm just juicing out. Late night, Fresno State, Jay Kaner, team total over, hits with these, gave me a winning week. Thank you, Jay Kaner. So yeah, pretty good week. <laughs> Keep that name in mind because it's on, it's on my board for this week. Also a reminder, now we're doing our Monday taping, Tuesday taping of the Maction Live Big Bets on Campus podcast. I was hosting this week with uh, with Colin and Brett. We're three and zero after Tuesday, so hopefully we can bring it home with another three and zero on Wednesday for a clean sweep of the week. And I'll be back next week uh, with Stucky and with Brett as well. So I'm excited uh, to do more of that. It's it's what the people want, you know. People are clamoring for that that Maction breakdown. And honestly, because the weather's been so nice, there's been some high scoring games, some fun games. That Ball State Toledo game, you know, came down to it. So I really enjoyed that. All right, we're going to hop into our G5 heroes of week number 10. I'm going to get started with a guy whose celebration just matched where I was emotionally. I was on UTSA against uh, against UAB, 
And it just seemed like they had pissed away that lead and it was clearly a game they were going to lose. They get to overtime. Both teams score in the, the first stanza of OT. They go to the second OT. UTSA gets an easy touchdown. Need a stop. And Nick Booker Brown, the NC State transfer, goes in and has a sack on Jacob Zeno, who was apparently his ears were burning because I was just crapping on that kid for, you know, two weeks straight. And he played the best game of his entire career, but not on Booker Brown's watch. He goes through Saxum. And in terms of celebration, he pulls out the Aaron Donald Super Bowl where he throws his hand in the air and points to his ring finger because apparently he thought that he, he won the Super Bowl in that moment. By the way, it was third down. So I love the enthusiasm, kid. Incredible. You made the big play. It was clearly too much for UAB to convert on fourth down. They get out of there with the win. Loved it. I love a good creative celebration, particularly on a non-touchdown kind of play. So Nick Booker Brown, I tip my hat to you. How about you, Ianella? I think that's what he was doing. He was saying, King me G5 hero of the week, baby. <laughs> For my G5 Hero of the Week, and look, maybe in a normal week, maybe we'd be talking about Tanner Mordecai, but obviously we were on Houston, so we're not going to mention that. I- I'm doing more of a G5 Hero of the Week, a G5 Lifetime Achievement Award. I think in terms of getting the most out of its roster, you know, reaching the ceiling of a program, I think Jamie Chadwell is a top 10 coach in the country. What he continues to do at Coastal is unbelievable to me. They beat App State 35-28 last week, all but locks up the East Division. You know, we talked so much coming into this year. I, I think Colin was on this one with us, and all three of us agreed that we thought they were going to take a big step back this year. They lost Isaiah Likely. They lost Javon Hiley. They lost Shamari Jones, Cam Brown, two offensive linemen, almost their entire defense. They returned just six total starters, three on each side of the ball. Well, they're eight and one. And they just keep beating everybody, everyone they play. Coastal Carolina is 30 and four over the last three years. The only teams in the entire country that have a better record over the last three years in Coastal Carolina is Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama. What Jamie Jowell does is just unbelievable. You know, they, they should not have that much talent there. They don't have that much talent. Obviously, Grayson McCall's a stud. But, like, I don't understand why they're so good and how they keep doing it. And to me, all the credit goes to him. And I wanted to give him a shout-out here because I think what he's doing is remarkable. I also don't think he will be – he has no – I will be pissed if he's at Coastal next year because he's too good to be there. I don't know about you. I think he is a slam dunk for Georgia Tech. I mean, if he can kind of run that – they were so good when they ran the option. If he has his kind of hybrid option offense at Georgia Tech, I think he's a no-doubter there. They should hire him. If they keep recycling these schmucks instead of, you know, hiring Jamie – you know, Tom Herman and what's-his-face, Dan Mullen are going to get jobs and not Jamie Chowell. That's a joke. So they also should be ranked in the top 25 in Kentucky. But Jamie Chowell is my G5 hero of the last three years. Are you going full Brett McMurphy sources here? Are you predicting the Chadwell McCall package deal to Atlanta, the ATL, getting him in Georgia Tech? I mean, they would it would be a smash for Georgia Tech. They'd be they would, they would be so good there. I think. I mean, I love it. I I think either way, to be honest, I would love to see them stay together. Um, whether it's at Coastal, I'd be fine with that. Or if they're a package deal in one of these open jobs, I think that would be pretty cool too. All right, we're going to hop into our best bets here in Week Eleven. I'm going to get it started. As I mentioned, Fresno State, they're cooking again. Jake Hayner's back. Offense is rolling. They're laying under the key number of 10 at UNLV. 
Hayner, last two games, seven touchdowns, 721 yards through the air. And UNLV in their last four, they're falling apart. They're 0-4 straight up, 2-2 two and two against the spread. Brumfield's back, but he's clearly not his old self. Just in the last game, two picks, three sacks, QBR 15.4 against San Diego State. I know that the Aztecs have a good defense, but they were just totally listless in the passing game. But when we talk about players returning from injury, one of the biggest ones in the entire Mountain West Conference is Evan Williams. Evan Williams back at safety. He's the quarterback of the defense for the Bulldogs. They finally have that extra feistiness. You saw it in the Hawaii game. I stayed up. That was another swing game for me where it's like, am I going to have a profitable weekend or a losing weekend? I needed Fresno. And that second half, they just absolutely put them in a sleeper hold and put the put the bows to sleep late night. I love the fact that Evan Williams is back. He gives them a lot more in terms of their run defense because he comes downhill and he helps in the box, but also just getting everybody lined up and in the proper place. And then in terms of the the situation here, Fresno controls their destiny in the West division of the Mountain West Conference if they win out. So they they have a half game lead for all intents and purposes over San Jose State because they won to head to head, but they have the same exact conference record. So there's not going to be any overlooking here. I feel like their juice is back. You can just see the energy on their sideline, the way that they're playing. They look like the team that came into the season as potentially a G5 darling. So I'm going to go ahead and take, a, in my opinion, a favorable number here. And they're playing against UNLV. It's, it's no home field advantage playing in an NFL stadium. I know they get the, the cool slot machine and that kind of juice on the sideline, but there's going to be like 10,000 fans here. So I'm not worried about that. And, um, it's it's my best bet for that reason. What do you think about the Bulldogs? I love them. And I actually, I had written, I'm only doing two of the high fives this week, but I actually wrote down, wrote down three and I was going to give you a choose your own adventure. Well, I guess you chose because Fresno State was one of the ones I was going to do. So now I can just do the other one. I love it. I think, you know, we saw Jake Hanner is cooking. He looks like his old self. Seven times. He's going to 78% of his passes. They just have so many weapons on the outside. You know, obviously we've talked about Jalen Moreno Cropper for, for two years, but you know, Nico Remigio is awesome to watch. He is so much fun. Zane Pope's great. And I think Jordan Mims cooks this UNLV defense that just is so bad against the run. And I'm so glad you mentioned Evan Williams because I wrote it down too. You know, Fresno State has been a lot more leaky on defense than we thought coming into this year, especially against the pass. But Williams coming back, he missed four games. You mentioned that he is the heart and soul of this defense. And while they have been more suspect against the pass, UNLV can't throw the ball. You know, they just, they can't. And I think Fresno State should be able to kind of load the box and take away this run game. So if Fresno State gets up early, and they should with J.K. I mean, they were up 48 nothing on Hawaii in the third quarter. UNLV is just not built to come back. So I really like the Bulldogs to pull away here. Like you said, getting under 10, I think they run it up. It's been really kind of a good month for us on best bets. So what are you adding to the slate here in week 11? I'm sticking with another Mountain West game here, right under a key number. I'm going to take San Jose State minus two and a half against San Diego State. We know what San Diego State has wanted to do for years. They want to play defense and they want to run the football. But they've taken a massive step back at both. You know, their defense ranks just 45th in the country, which is, you know, decent, but it's a big step back for them. They were typically in that, you know, 25, 30 range. And they're seventh in the Mountain West in yards per play allowed. That's just not what we expect from them. And then with Greg Bell moving on, they just can't run the ball at all. They're 113th in rushing success on the ground. Jordan Bird's their leading rusher. He's averaging just 40 yards per game on the ground. They have eight rushing touchdowns all year, and four of them have come from their quarterbacks. You know, and then obviously we we know they can't throw the ball. Uh, Braxton Burmeister has been out. Jalen Maiden has been playing, but either way, they have just eight passing touchdowns, seven interceptions. They're averaging 145 yards passing a game. 
this, this team is 128th, 120th in total offense. This offense is so bad. And then San Jose State, on the other hand, is probably the best defense in the Mountain West. Would you agree with that? Maybe Boise State, but i probably go San, San Jose State, to be honest. They're allowing just 16 points per game this year, under five yards per play. They're 17th in the country in success rate, 12th at preventing finishing drives. They have these two edge rushers that just absolutely wreck havoc. They do such a good job of getting into the backfield. And then San Jose State has the sixth highest passing rate in the country. And while I don't love Shavon Cordero, I'm not really going to say anything nice about him. He has thrown just two interceptions this year. And San Diego State's 79th at defending the pass. And that's all they do. Elijah Cooks is sick. He's a really good weapon on the outside. And I look at it this way. The spread's three or two and a half. San Jose State has scored at least 28 points in five of their last six games. San Diego State has scored 24 on an FBS opponent just once all season. (laughs) So if you're like, okay, San Jose State should put up 28. San Diego State can't get to 24. Boom, there's recover right there. So I'll lay under a field goal with San Jose State. You're going with the fighting Jeff Garcia's? I like it arguably situational motivation, that kind of element. They're in the same spot as Fresno State. They need to win out and get a little bit of help. So there's certainly no overlooking this game. And I agree with you. I think their their defense is the best in the Mountain West. It's just going to be a question of can their offense get it done, move the football. I think it's a good bet. So I, I like what we have at the top of our sheet, which now moves us into our round robin portion, our G5 high five here in week 11. The G5 high five. Should we high five? High five! 47, Army Troy. Seems like a lot of points to me. Troy unders have paid out six out of the nine times this year. Army's actually gone over in five of their eight games, but, you know, just kind of sneaking past that. But really, the game within the game, we know exactly what Army's going to do. They're going to run, 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 run into a Troy defense that's 21st in run defense, 20th in yards per carry allowed. And then from a pace perspective, Troy is, they're no jackrabbits by any stretch. They're 80th in plays per game, and Army does what Service Academy does. They're 116th in plays per game. So double-clicking into this at home, Troy likes to play low-scoring games against FBS opponents at home this season. Total points in those games, 30. So 47 to me, I, I had this in my own projections at 42, 42 and a half. So I was shocked to see it all the way up here to 47. Um I, this is also another game. Troy doesn't need it for the Sun Belt standings, but they're certainly a team that's ascending. I think they they have plenty of juice this year. I love what they have on defense with Carlton Marshall kind of leading the way with his opportunity to set the NCAA tackle record, having played you know since 2010. I just really like this under, and I think there's nothing better, as, as Stucky likes to say, under porn, where you get like that 15-play drive from Army, and then they miss a 35-yard field goal. I think we're in line for something like that in this game. And honestly, barring any special teams or defensive touchdowns, I think this this was right next to my Fresno play for my best bet of the week. So I'm going to start it off there. What are your thoughts on a Troy team that we've talked a lot about? I know the both of us have watched a lot of Trojan football this year. What are your thoughts? Uh, I love it. You know, I think of Troy and their defense, especially, um, by the way, I, another reason I wanted to hype up Jamie Chadwell and how well they do against coastal Carolina is because we both know I'm taking Troy in that, in that in the Sunbelt championship game. I mean, we both know I'm taking Troy in that game, but I love it. And quick update. Cause you mentioned it. Uh, Carlton Marshall is officially 18 tackles away from breaking the all-time record. He might do it on Saturday. He yeah, has, this could be it. Yeah, he had, absolutely. He, he had 18 tackles earlier in the year against Marshall. 
And, you know, obviously all Army's going to do is run the ball. So I he could break it here. <laughs> all right, so, what is your first addition to the high five? Because you took Fresno State, you basically have forced me into this play. So I want you to remember that you did this. You did this. And I'm going to rearrange the order, and I'm going to transition into my gross under of the week. I think my gross under last week actually hit. This is gross. I'm taking Florida Atlantic, Florida International, under 54 and a half. Which offense do you trust in this game? Go ahead, tell me. I'll wait. The, the Owls, I guess. I I, th- I think it helps <laughs> that, you know, just off the top of my head, I could name three skill position players for the Owls, and I could not do the same for FIU, just, if we're being honest. You know, you got, cha- you got Chambers. That's it. That's and... literally it. It's it's kind of like the old NCAA football days, like and number eighty three and number eighty one. They're, they're not household names for sure. Yeah, Florida Atlantic's obviously going to ha- need to do most of the heavy lifting if this did go over. But they're averaging just twenty one points per game. They're in the bottom half of Conference USA in yards per play. I don't trust Nikosi Perry as as far as I can throw him or as he can throw a ball. And he's been held under two hundred yards in the last three games. He only has five interceptions, but he has eleven turnover worthy plays. He's completing just fifty five percent of his passes. And FAU wants to run the ball first anyway, and they they aren't really explosive at all. And then Florida International is just inept on offense. They, they're averaging 4.7 yards per play, 120th in the country. They're scoring just 20 points per game. Grayson James has 13 turnover-worthy plays, just eight big-time throws. And yeah, Tyrese Chambers is very good, but he's there, he's like the only player on their team that would like start on any other team in like the country, basically. Um and FIU is five and four to the under this season, but FAU is the under in FAU games is seven and two this year. So I just really don't trust either offense here. I think FAU should blow them out and comfortably win this like 28 10. Like this game's going to be gross. I just don't see how it gets over 55. The fact that I got to bet and win on the Battle of the Bricks on Tuesday night match and another great rivalry game here, it's the Shula Bowl which apparently there was ties from the first head coach of FAU and the first head coach of FIU had ties to Don Shula. So I don't know, not, not the worst rivalry game name in the game. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. There, there's a, a high likelihood of one of these offenses totally falling apart in this game, which then makes it very difficult to envision going past this total. So a gross under, I like it. It's gross under season at this point. It really is. All right, I'm going to transition to the biggest G5 game of the entire slate, and that, of course, is Tulane hosting UCF. College game day should be them, should be there. Shame on them, the fact that they're going to like a three-loss Texas, whatever. We're not going to get into that. The fact of the matter is Tulane is on the precipice of really stamping their ticket to the New Year's Six Bowl. If they can go ahead and win this game, that's a huge step forward for them. The pressure now on their side they're laying two. I'm going to lay the points. I think it's going to be an electric atmosphere at Yulman Stadium. The fact that college game day is not there, I don't think will have any impact. You've seen it in their, their last few games. They're selling out. The, the juice is there. And it really juices up their defense, who shuts down explosive plays ninth nationally in terms of explosive plays allowed. You know, in terms of what they give up on the ground, only 3.7 yards per carry. And when you look at teams that like to run the ball, they shut down Keaton Mitchell from East Carolina. He was a shell of himself in that game. And then if you want to look for something close to replicating some kind of similarity with this UCF Gus Bus offense, the K-State game. 
They held K-State to 186 on the ground, which doesn't seem great on paper, but that's 20 less than their season average. And and that was also when Adrian Martinez was healthy. So the fact that they were able to go to Manhattan, win that game, shut down the, the best unit on the field, which should have been the Wildcats' rushing attack, I think that speaks volumes to what they could potentially do here. And also, UCF, at this point in the season, with Keene playing so well, is it a good thing that Plumlee is going to come back? They're saying he's still day-to-day, but Plumlee, for me, is boom or bust. He's shown it this year in games where he's not been able to move the football and pick up first downs regularly. So maybe if Plumlee plays, that actually plays in the Green Wave's favor um, You know, with the strong UCF running game against their strong run defense. And finally, one more little tidbit. Malzahn's 3-5 and five against the spread on the road. You know, When he leaves the bounce house since he took over at UCF in Orlando, he just hasn't been the same coach on the road. So all these factors together under the key number three, I'm going to lock it in with Tulane, see how far this magical run can go. Because honestly, this has kind of come out of the clouds for them to be on the precipice of winning You know, the AAC. So really excited to, to put my weight behind them here. And I'm hoping that the simmering quarterback controversy for the Knights is enough to you know throw a monkey wrench into their offensive plans. What are your thoughts on the game of the year in the AAC? Well, it's it's interesting you picked Tulane, and uh, you know I'll, I'll give my thoughts a little later on, a little little teaser for you there. All right, hopefully this you know can stay amicable if we're on opposite sides here. Why don't we just transition to your last entry to the G five high five, and hopefully it's not AAC related. For my last pick of the G5 High Five. First, I want to give a shout out to loyal listener Alec. I don't know if you can see this shirt, but when we hit our ECU money line the other day, this dude Alec reached out to me on Twitter saying that he won money and he lives in North Carolina and he wanted to send me an ECU pirate shirt so I don't have to wear Pittsburgh Pirates gear on the podcast every time I talk about ECU. So I am finally repping my ECU pirate shirt. And I'll be honest, I wrote this down when it was six and a half. It's dropping. So take it as soon as you listen to it. I don't like it as much, but I don't care. I still like it at five and a half. Hopefully it takes back to six. I called my shot with UCF taking down Cincinnati. I still don't think this Bearcats team's that good. They can't run the ball at all. They're outside of the top 100 and they've been forced to throw the ball a ton. And I'm not a huge Ben Bryant fan. He's thrown 18 touchdowns with six interceptions. And, you know, Tyler Scott's pretty good, but, like, they just don't have the weapons and the stars and the NFL talent that they had last year. We said it. You can't replace that kind of talent in the G5, and they they can't. They just – how many guys in, on their team now are going to the NFL? You know, one, Ivan Pace, maybe? Like, the defense is still solid, but it's not as elite as they were last year, especially at the cornerback position. I Is Sauce Gardner already the best cornerback in the NFL? He could be. I mean, basically, he's just ported his PFF stats from college to the pros. It's like, dude, just don't throw on his side of the field. It's outrageous. This dude was universally agreed upon, maybe Derek Singley, to be top two corner in college last year. He was a top 10 NFL draft pick. And I think he's still underrated somehow. Like, it well, he, just, plays for the, he plays for the Jets, so it's not exactly like the co- national media college, is like, excited. Yeah. Even in college, it was, you know, oh, Cincinnati's defense, Cincinnati's defense, Cincinnati's defense. This dude took away an entire half of the field every single game. Quick timeout here. How did he not win the Thorpe Award? I know it went to Kobe Bryant on the other side, but it's like Thorpe Award voters, like, what? Like, it, it, they're not in the same stratosphere. Like, 
Kobe Bryant was a really, really good college corner who racked up stats because they had to throw the ball to him. But Sauce Gardner was a generational cornerback. So, I mean, the award circuit in college football is a joke anyway, but like the fact that he didn't win is just ridiculous. He's probably, what, the best cornerback to come out of college what, since Patrick Peterson or something. Oh, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, you continue. But he that's what I'm saying. Like, he he literally took away an entire half of the field. So it's like, yeah, Kobe Bryant was great because he only had to cover half the field. The linebackers are great because they only had to worry about stopping the run. And with him gone, it's just everything is so different with this team. They're still good, but they have to play a full field now. The secondary is just 91st in the country in coverage grade. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And our boy Holton Aylers is finally doing it. It took us five years for our sweet baby boy to reach his potential, and he's done it. How okay. many? Times- I mean, I mean, he has done it. But wouldn't he- you agree he's like the G five version of like Sean Clifford or Chris Ricks or oh. Doctor Bo when he was at Ole Miss, where it's like you're just waiting for the shoe to drop. Like I am. I, I'm I'm with you on the Pirates, by the way, in this game. But I will be holding my breath that the good Holton Aylers shows up because first of all. Don't you ever use Sean Clifford as a negative connotation? Uh, uh-huh. Oh yeah, because because no one is is down on Sean Clifford except for his head coach. But yeah, go ahead. But every year we're like, if he could just clean up the mistakes and you know, really, if if we can see the good Holton Aylers all the time, he'd be awesome, and he just he'd be so hot and cold, Jekyll and Hyde. He's been good almost this entire year. We've finally seen good peak Holton Aylers consistently. This offense is seventeenth in the country in passing. Aylers is completing 70% of his passes, 18 touchdowns, just five interceptions. We mentioned the lack of Cincinnati's weapons. Isaiah Winstead and CJ Johnson are both studs. Tight end Ryan Jones is a great red zone weapon. You know, they lost Raji Harris, which sucked. But Keen Mitchell is averaging over 143 yards per game with six touchdowns over the last three weeks. So we talked about, the you know, Cincinnati is Cincinnati. ECU has the better quarterback. They have the better running back. They have two of the be- They have two better receivers. And, you know, I'll give Cincinnati the edge on defense, but this ECU defense has been a lot better. They're really good against the run. And the- Cincinnati can't run the ball. So they're going to force Ben Bryant to air it out and beat this ECU passing attack. I'll be honest, I think ECU can win this game, but I'm certainly going to take five and a half. And like I said, I already took him at six and a half. I would take him anything over probably you know four or five but give me the pirates shout out to alec again for the shirt we're gonna raise the jolly roger once again finally an ecu football team quality wise that's matching the quality of their their sports bar sup dogs the number one <laughs> sports bar in america so love to see that for pirate fans i like the play i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you on that one i'm gonna finish up rg5 high five with a fun belt play and I know we're, we've been so high on Troy this year, but they still have a team nipping on their heels in the West, and that's South Alabama. They're laying 16 and a half against Texas State. Jags have to win out and get some help from Troy losing, but they've scored 30 plus in four of their last six, and it really comes down to Carter Bradley. 
because he's not done a great job avoiding negative plays. He's turned the ball over. He's taken sacks. And Texas State, statistically, is really lousy in everything except for Havoc, the 28th in Havoc. So he needs to protect the football. When it comes to Texas State having the ball, they're 107th in success rate. But they've been held to 14 or less in three of their five fun belt games this year. So I don't think they're going to bring a lot to the table offensively. And if Bradley does protect the football, all he has to do is turn around and hand it to LaDamian Webb, who's absolutely blasting off. I When I look through his game log, 409 rushing yards in the last two games, seven rushing touchdowns. This kid, you know, he, he was a um, power five transfer. He's crushing it. He gives them stability. And Texas State 77th in explosive running plays allowed. So I think the motivation, the skill factor from Webb, and also the fact that Texas State can't move the football and they're kind of, you know, in a, in a position where they're not going to go bowling. They'd have to they'd have to win out just to get to six and six. I don't see that happening. So I think South Alabama rolls them in this game. My power rankings call for this to be 23 and a half. So 16 and a half under a couple key numbers there. Happy to take the Jags here. A team that has scared me the whole year in terms of my Troy futures. Troy was able to handle them in a low scoring game. But I, I think the Jags are going to pop off here. What are your thoughts on the last play of our G5 high five? I agree. Uh, Texas State. I, you know, they, they stink. And we saw, you know, South Alabama came through for us with our over last year. I, I still, or last week, I still like this offense, by the way, speaking of fun belt, I have some, I have some breaking news here that, you know, obviously when people listen to this, it won't be breaking news. So, but it's breaking news to us, PPP, uh, crappy news, Grayson McCall out three to six weeks with a foot injury. That probably puts him out for the rest of the year. You'd think, I mean, at least three weeks, you know, maybe the Sun Belt championship game, but that sucks. That's that's absolutely, you know, a huge blow for Coastal because he's their whole team. Definitely gonna take Troy in that game now. But uh yeah, kind of some kind of some shitty news here. Yeah, it's it's real unfortunate, but you know, it gives them some extra time to look into the transfer portal, you know, have a clear head to make that choice. We're now gonna finish up the group of five deep dive with our money line underdog play, which is assuredly going to hit this week. You know, we've been white hot in this department. I'm going to get started with a big swing and a team that their fan base does not particularly like us this year, but I don't care. Going to take Rice plus 400 on the money line over oh, Western Kentucky. Jeez. Here we go. Here we go. You know, this happens a lot more during March Madness and Selection Sunday where they put up the two resumes where it's like, what are your best wins? The Owls have beat UTEP, UAB, and Louisiana this year. Those are three real nice wins. Western Kentucky has been Austin P, Hawaii, FIU, Middle Tennessee, and Charlotte. So are we so sure that the Hilltoppers are all that great? I know that they have the fourth-ranked passing attack in the whole country, low interception rate, low sack rate, all comes down to Austin Reed, who's been zappy light, which I think should be you know an off-brand, off-brand beer that we should be selling. Um, and listen, Rice statistically does give up a lot of yardage, but they're 56 in Havoc. So maybe if they can put a little pressure on him and get lucky with a turnover or two, because other than that, their in-conference play numbers are pretty strong. Rice is fifth in scoring in Conference USA play, third in total defense, and third in sacks. And they're also a team that needs one more win to get to bowl eligibility. They're playing kind of a murderer's row by Conference USA standards in their last three but I think they have the juice. I mean, they got Luke McCaffrey. I know it's somebody that you've talked up on this pod before. Just in his last three games, 18 receptions, four total touchdowns. They get him involved in the running game as well. I think Rice has every opportunity to stay in this game. And if they're able to do it, I think they have the offense to get over the hump. It's just a matter of can they force Reed 
into some bad decisions and, you know, be on the plus side of the turnover margin because if they are, I think this is overinflated. Like if, if it was rice, like plus two fifty, it's probably a pass for me, but four to one essentially is saying Western Kentucky is unbeatable in this game. And they are not. And given the fact that, you know, they've beaten so many tin cans this year, I'm just not sure that they're the world beaters they're being made out to be. So what are your thoughts on the owls? And then we can get into your AAC conflict with uh, one of my G five, five, five plays. I mean, that's certainly swinging for the fences. I don't hate it. I agree with you. The owl, uh, West of Kentucky hasn't played anybody. And uh, by the way, quick, just quick update for everyone who listened uh, to our off-season previews. Um, if you remember, my best bet for Conference USA, Western Kentucky, team total under. And uh, our boy, David Davis, Western Kentucky's best receiver, quote tweeted the clip of me just ripping them to shreds. I love the slander. It makes the outcome so much better. Uh, well, Daywood, the outcome was you cashing your win total under before Halloween. So under eight and a half, absolutely never a doubt. This team was never going to do what they did last year. So I'm glad the bulletin board material helped. I still think they're being priced as though Bailey Zappi and Kitley and all their toys on the perimeter are still there, but they're not. I mean, they clearly have still been able to shred opposing defenses, but they just haven't played anybody. I don't want to go full Paul Feinbaum on this situation, but Paul, hey, play nobody. Like this is this is the situation, I think, to take a big swing because Rice is a borderline bowl team right now. And I think if they get in, they're going to be a feisty bowl team. So I'm going to go ahead and take a quality team that's ascending. That is the opposite of a public team. I think that's the reason why it's four to one here. You know, Rice hasn't been a team anyone's been excited to bet since the Jared Dillard days. So oh, I've met them all year. <laughs> I mean, you. I'm talking about you know John Q. Public is not racing up to the uh, to the betting window to throw down some money on the Owls. All right, what is your underdog play here? I'm taking UCF plus one fifteen. I've, I'm, again, I've said all you're the best team in the conference. I'm sticking to it. Um, by the way, you don't want to get into the thing. I will. Uh, ESPN not going to, to New Orleans is an absolute joke. It's not like we're asking you to go to like Muncie, Indiana. It's like you're going to New Orleans. Unless they were nervous about like God, for, God knows what kind of trouble Pat McAfee would have gotten down on Bourbon Street. They're going to go to Austin, Texas for the second time this year for a three-loss team instead of going to New Orleans, for the first time, an awesome matchup between two top 25 teams. They've never been to Tulane. That, that was a joke. Now, I love Tulane. We know this. I don't necessarily want to say anything bad about them. Uh, these teams are first and second in the conference in scoring. You know, I love Michael Pratt. Love Tajay Spears. Love this defense. I think both defenses are pretty even to be honest you know both are much better against the run both offenses run the ball first so i honestly think the defenses are pretty comparable but when you go to the offensive side of the ball like i said they both want to establish to run first ucf is just better at it they're 13th in the country in success rate on offense 16th in passing 15th in rushing success you mentioned that John Reese Plumley. Is it by the way? Is it Reese Plumley or Rice Plumley? Because everyone says Rice. Plumlee. It's Rice Plumley, which doesn't make any sense. But yeah, it's Rice. Right, well, I mean, this, this it's Rice, Rice, Rice all all week. Say, we're, we're pairing the money line dog parlay with Rice, so I actually kind of like that uh, symmetry we have going on here. John Rice Plumley is awesome. I think he's awesome. He's very boomer bust. Guess what? Underdog Winnie the Boom. He's averaging two hundred thirty-five passing yards, sixty-seven rushing yards, and Tulane has a good rush defense, but. Plumley, 
Isaiah Bowser, RJ Harvey, Johnny Richardson. There's so many weapons here. Harvey's averaging 7.4 yards per carry. We have seen Russian quarterbacks have success against Tulane. You know, uh, Clayton Toon had over 50 yards. Jerry Bohannon had over 50 yards. UMass's quarterback had over 50 yards. So, you know, they have allowed that kind of scramble first downs with running quarterbacks. I just don't think anybody can really stop this rushing attack. And then they do throw the ball. Ryan O'Keefe's having another great year. They brought in Javon Baker and Kobe Hudson from Alabama and Auburn. All three of them are averaging over 50 yards. I think there's just so much weapons on this UCF team that Tulane doesn't really have. And if Plumlee is fully healthy, which he should be, because Malzahn said he cleared concussion protocol before Saturday's game. He was available and could play. And he, he warmed up. He warmed yeah, up but, as well. So, but, he yeah. hadn't, but he hadn't practiced all week. So that's why they went with Keen. So I actually like the fact that Plumlee had an extra week's rest. He should be good to go. I think UCF's the best team in this conference. I have all year. I'll be honest, if Tulane was plus 115, plus 20, they'd probably be my underdog pick. I'll be honest with you. I think this is a toss-up game. Like I said, their defenses are even. I think UCF's offense is better, but Tulane's obviously at home. I was probably going to take the dog in either game if it was up to this high. I think the spread's two and a half. To me, this should be a pick So I'm going to take the plus money with the Knights here, who I still think is the best team in the American. I'm just going to throw this out there quickly. If Tulane had not lost to Southern Miss, where are they in the college football playoff conversation? Because it's kind of like a train wreck of teams that we expected to have a, a spot locked in, you know, the Alabamas, the Clemsons doors open. So hypothetically, I know the, the playoff committee loves to shaft the G five teams, but like, yeah. would they be, would they be eighth right now? Would they be seventh? Like I mean, Honestly, where would they be? I'll be honest, given what we've seen from the college football playoff committee, like I don't even think they'd be top 10. They, I don't think they'd be above Clemson because I mean, Liberty's not ranked. Coastal's not ranked. So Honestly, I you know whether they're nineteen now, they're probably like eleven or twelve if they're undefeated. Because like it's not like Southern Miss was a, like a, you know what I mean. Like they don't have like I mean they beat Arizona State right? Was that their big? Or no, Kansas State was their big win. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah, to me, I I don't think they'd even be in the top ten just based on how they should just based on how the committee kind of like you said just shafts the G five at every chance they can get. Again, how is Coastal not ranked or Liberty? Liberty, Liberty, Liberty 100% should be ranked. I I think that's kind of nonsense. And it's also a minor miracle that they've been able to retain the services of Hugh Freeze. I know they've thrown some decent, by G5 standards, decent, decent money. But like, you would think that if he went somewhere outside of the SEC, that he could get, you know, a a prominent job given the turnaround. And honestly, at the end of the day, like, did he, did he screw up? Did he get fired for cause at Ole Miss? Was it justified? Yes. But, you know, in terms of the worst things that we've seen coaches do and still get second and third chances, I'm a little bit surprised. Maybe he's content being at Liberty and kind of building this program up into like an East Coast BYU. But I'm I'm a little bit confused as to why he's you know still in the state of Virginia. All right. Before we continue, as a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, 
Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, for our listeners now, I'll give a quick rundown on all of our plays here in week 11. For our best bets, I like Fresno State Lane 9.5, traveling to Las Vegas to take on UNLV. Inello with another Mountain West Conference play, San Jose State laying 2.5 at San Diego State. Our G5 High Five, South Alabama in the Fun Belt, laying 16.5 against Texas State. I like the under, pretty ugly under, between Troy and Army, sitting at 47. Speaking of ugly unders, FIU, FAU in the Shula Bowl, under 54.5. ECU catching six in a game against Cincinnati. And Tulane for my G5 High Five, laying two at home in the AAC game of the year against Central Florida. And for our Moneyline Underdog Parlay, Going big here, Rice plus 400, traveling to Western Kentucky to take on the Hilltoppers. And UCF is Ionello's pick, plus 120, playing in New Orleans against Tulane. You put those two plays together, it pays out just shy of 10 to 1, plus 975 over at BetMGM. Ah, I'll cover all of our losses for the year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just got to hit one of these big boys, and all of a sudden we look like geniuses. That's what we should do. So next week, if we lose again, next week we'll come up with what is it, 11 to 1? And the following week, we'll have to put together a 12 to 1, and we'll just keep building and we'll make them big enough that if we finally hit one, it covers the whole year. So that'll do it for the Group of Five Deep Dive here under the Big Bets on Campus podcast banner. A reminder to our listeners that we have wall to wall content this time of year. We have Colin and Stucky coming back with their full FBS slate of plays. That podcast will drop, drop Thursday night, Friday morning. And then Saturday, the live show with Stucky, Colin, Brett McMurphy, getting into all of the latest developments, line movement, player availability to help you make money on your Saturday. And then we're back with the new BCS. We also have college basketball podcast debuting for this season next Wednesday. That's the three-man weave dropping Wednesday morning. So you're going to want to check that out. Just lots of things filling up your podcast feed, trying to give you every single angle in the college universe. So that's it for the Big Bets on Campus podcast. I'm Mike Calabrese for Mike Ionello. Thank you so much for listening and have a great weekend.